exciting. And what we have out there is what we have left. Um, and so we're looking for those to go um, so you can drink great coffee um, and so we can support all those people that I just mentioned. Uh, and their baby shower is tomorrow evening. All are welcome. Um, it's, I know it's a little bit foreign of a concept for some of you, but we have a community baby shower here at Sarah Bible. Um, when the family has their first child here with us at Sierra Bible. So it might be their second, third, fourth, or fifth child, but if it's their first child here, we like to throw them a little party um, so that they can be supported, so they can um, be blessed by gifts, but also so that they can be connected um, and meet anyone here, uh, uh, new, new parents and so forth. And so we're having that tomorrow evening in Ray Hall. What's also coming up next Sunday, um, if you are not familiar with this ministry here, it's called Foster the Sierras. It's a ministry that's dear to my heart because we are a foster family here in Truckee, if you don't know that. We've been a foster family for about three years. And in that time, we've been able to support and foster about a dozen children, two of which are still in my home right now. Um, you may have met them, George and, and Henry. Um, and so they've been in my home for the last nine months. And honestly, when, when the little baby came in May of last year, you know, he was born, we got a call that he would be coming in about two days. And so instead of nine months of planning, we had two days. And in that, we didn't have any baby things. And so this ministry, Foster the Sierras, provided through the community everything we needed, right? Diapers, bottles, formula. Um, we got a bassinet, a crib, clothes, and a baby swing. So plenty of things we needed for this baby. And if you don't know, the average foster family uh, in the United States, after they become certified to be a foster family, they usually stay one for about a year. It's a pretty short window, and because it's, it's difficult, and it's hard, and it's challenging, and it's especially challenging alone. Um, it's downright impossible. And so this ministry helps provide that support, and it's the only way that we've continued to foster. And so they're having an information night this Sunday night, and I want to encourage you to partake in the information night if you've ever considered fostering even if it was just a little tiny blip in your mind and you quickly didn't, you quickly rejected the thought, uh, you could still come. It's an information night, no commitments. We're not going to hand you a child. You can just come and get the information and eat dessert. And so I welcome you to that. Uh, also, if you didn't get the email blast and you weren't aware, Wayne, Pastor Wayne here has officially retired. That happened, it's done. Um, however, they are not, thankfully, you know, retiring from Truckee or retiring from this community. They're still here. Um, at the same time, we want to bid them farewell on their next chapters and journey. And we are having a party here on Sunday, February 13th. The main course will be provided. You will be providing the side courses. And yes, it's Super Bowl Sunday. I don't want to hear anything about it. Okay. This is what's happening on February 13th. All right, so all are welcome. It's after second service. If you come to first, you'll have to, you know, I know it's hard, come back around and return to attend, okay? All right, so with that, I get to introduce, oh, there you are, Pastor Caleb Dero, who's going to bring us the word this morning. Brimer, would you please come forward? 
I used to get in trouble with her, so I just kind of wanted to let that hang there a little bit, just a little bit. Um, I wanted to get, we're giving you some flowers and just saying thank you to you and Heidi Vaughn. Um, Tammy and Heidi Vaughn, they, they just fill in gaps around here that like nobody even knows about. And so like an example, we had a, a youth fundraiser dinner a couple months ago and we planned the food and the cooks and like the, the servers but didn't plan tables or centerpieces or plates or knives and all kinds of like food for the kids being watched. All these things that like weren't necessarily thought of. Oh no, Food Next Door was thought of. But <laughs> there were some gaps and they just came in without being asked and just like took care of it. And um, so I'm just thank you for all the things you do. And they do that all the time. So thank you very much. We're going to be talking about friendship defined by Jesus Christ and displayed by David and Jonathan. So we're going to be hopping from the New Testament to the Old Testament a lot. Turn to John chapter 15. And um, we're going to read the first 17 verses. Would you please stand with me? But I'm really only going to teach like 12 through 16. But this context is good. Sorry I didn't announce handout Bibles. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it. That's got to stop. I don't know what's going on, but it's got to stop. <laughs> Oh my. <laughs> All right. Um, verse three. Already you are, uh, nope, verse two. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that, and it withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I think that's a really important line right there. Let's read that again. Um, By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. You no longer do, sorry, uh, what I command you. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you 
and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Lord, I ask, Lord, please anoint me to teach and preach your word. Lord, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying, Lord, that we would be transformed by your word and we would be more like Jesus. Help us, Lord. It's not, we can't do this without you. And Lord, I pray that you'd even give us an expectation, Lord, that your word, it never returns void. It is always working in, in us and transforming us into the image of your son. So we thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives. Thank you that we get to, to live and move by your grace and by your Holy Spirit's power. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Friendship is, there's something about it that is like, um, like ultimate reality is connected to friendship. God himself is a triune being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, you know, we say that God is love. It could be said that God is friendship. He's the highest truth. He's the ultimate reality. Friendship's very important. It's a big deal. And I, th- I know that um, most people experience loneliness. Um, and there's something kind of neat in that, that if you need friends, if you feel lonely, it's because you're made in the image of God. To the degree that you need friends in your life, is the, is, that's how you're like him. If you don't need friends, you're not like God. That's not a good place to be. That's not who you were made to be. As human beings, we are image bearers of God. We are supposed to look like him, to act like him, to be like him. That is how we are made. And so if you are lonely this morning, I think in some ways you can take courage that it's because you're made in his image. You're supposed to have friends. This, this chapter, it's talking about abiding with Christ, friendship with Christ, that this, this love and this friendship flows from him, the vine to the branches, us, and, it, and our lives produce fruit. That it's this, there's a flow here. Um, friendship's supposed to flow from our lives. And the Bible gives us some wisdom here. We're going to kind of focus in on, again, verses uh, 12, John 15, Oh, gosh, that's supposed to say 12 through 16. I found out I was preaching yesterday morning, so bear with me on the slides. They're not perfect. Um, You know, Jesus says a couple statements in here that, you know, I think it's in verse 8 that, you know, we would have friends so that we prove that we're disciples. By this love that's in our lives, that we are proving we're disciples. Um, He says later on in verse 11, you know, that our joy may be full. These are good things, good reasons to have friendship in our lives. And and Jesus has some very poignant and and wonderful things to say. And he's going to talk about it. And then we're going to see it displayed on picture in the lives of David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan have the most famous friendship in the Bible, um, I think. And and it's just neat to see the parallels and how they, they line up really well. So, let me... First, uh, these are the three points for this morning. Sympathy secrets, covenant. These, these are three things that Jesus is going to talk about, and we're going to kind of unpack in these verses. Sympathy, secrets, covenant. There's more to friendship, obviously, but these are some really big ones, and this is what Jesus brought up. So there it is. Sympathy, sympathos, same passion, 
John 15, 16. It says, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, you may, he may give it to you. And this is, um, this is probably one of my more difficult points to get across this idea of sympathos, same passion, um, sympathy. But the point I'm, I'm pulling out of the text here is this aspect of friendship is what C.S. Lewis would call the glorious, gracious irresponsibility of friendship. That there's a dynamic within friendship that it's by God's grace. You, you did not bring it about. You didn't bring these people into your lives. And that's, that's what I'm pulling out of here. You did, not cho- you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. You should bear friendship. You should bear love in your life. God does this in our lives. He, um, as it says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, I'm going to get to the sympathy part and how this all kind of fits together, but it's a work of God. It's his glorious uh, grace. It's our glorious irresponsibility in friendship. And, uh, and we were made for this. You were made to have friends in your life. If you were made to have good friends, that you guys would do good things, and you weren't made to be worthless or meaningless. You were made for good works. And so this aspect of sympathy, of same passions, you got to have a spine for it. You got to have some... Um, you got to believe in your worth. You've got to believe that God loves you. You've got to believe that you are made for good works or else it doesn't work. Um, okay. We're going to get to David's life and how this all ties together. But uh, again, this glorious and gracious irresponsibility of friendship, this sympathos, same same passion. C.S. Lewis defined it um, as you like that too. When he was a little boy, C.S. Lewis's dad said, hey, you need to go hang out with the neighbor kid who's like an invalid. Like this kid was sickly and just, you know, stayed in his bed all the time. And his dad made him go and hang out with him. And he's like, I remember walking down the street and being like, I don't want to do this. This kid's weird. He's living, he like lives in his room all the time. I don't want to hang out with this guy. And he walks into the bedroom and he sees this young man sitting on, uh, on his bed. And on the nightstand was a book of Norse mythology. And C.S. Lewis said, you like that too? And they totally geeked out about Norse mythology. They were both big nerds. And um, that's, that's part of what I'm talking about in this same passion. You like that too? And friendship has to have this. And it's, it's also like one of the greatest gifts in friendship. It's the grace of God in friendship. You like that too? Um, or even like as kids, when you start to tell, you know, like, hey, that happened to you too? Whoa, like I thought I was the only one. Um, oh man, there's some, like, if you can think back to, like, puberty, there's some funny conversations. You too? Like, oh my gosh, and some great friendships have happened because of those conversations. Um, uh, same passion. What are you willing to suffer for? Um, the word passion, we use it in, in Old English to refer to refer to Christ's sufferings on the cross. And so it's like, you know, it, it, it's true on like the kind of surface level of like, you like Norse mythology, you like, you know, 
whatever. You like football too. Like it works on the kind of like the surfacey level, but it really works on the, the deeper points of what are you willing to suffer for? You know, well, I'm willing to get up at the crack of dawn to go fishing. And so is Stefan <laughs> or whatever, you know, or, you know, I'm willing to go and sit in a deer hide and freeze for hours and, you know, cause I'm passionate. I'm willing to suffer to hunt this deer or whatever. You know, there's just, I could go on examples, but, um, a willingness to suffer. This is what I mean. Like you kind of have to have a spine. You have to be willing to suffer for something to enjoy this aspect of friendship. You cannot just be kind of, we'll get, C.S. Lewis says something that's really not nice. It's like, Mr. Lewis, you can't say that. But he says this. Hold on. That is why those pathetic people who simply want friends, quote unquote, can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Where the truthful answer to the question, do you see the same truth, would be, I see nothing and I don't care about the truth. I only want a friend. No friendship can arise through, though affection, of course, may. There would be nothing for the friendship to be about. And friendship must be about something, even if it is, if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. Uh, and so this is this idea of, of same passion. And again, you have to have a little bit of grounding, some, some spine, some, some idea that God loves you, that you are worthy, that you um, were created for good works. If you don't have that, you're just going to always, you're not going to tell the truth. One thing, that's like really what's going to boil down to. You're not going to tell the truth. People are like, well, do you like this? Yeah, of course I like this, you know, because <laughs> you like it. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to be your friend. That friendship can't exist there. Friendship has to come through like, hey, I'm passionate about this. And so we're going to see this displayed in David and Jonathan's life. So let's go back once. For Samuel 17, 31. This is where David and Jonathan become friends. David is this young shepherd's boy. He has arrived on the field of battle. The Philistines are arrayed against the army of Israel. And he's bringing food to his brothers. And he sees this great giant Goliath mocking and um, calling out the armies of Israel. He's like, send me your champion. I want to fight him. And David shows up and he's all, who is this guy who's like defying the living, uh, the armies of the living God? Let me, um, let's just unpack this a little bit. And he, he's, he's saying this to, you know, he's like, I'll fight this guy. And uh, it, word of that gets to King Saul. And so King Saul's like, hey, we got a guy who's going to fight him. All right, bring him to my tent. Verse uh, 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion on a bear or a bear, a lion on a bear, a, a lion or a bear, and took a lamb from the flock. I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Now that's the first time Jonathan would have met David is in that tent. 
And Jonathan at that moment was like, I want to be, I want to be that guy's friend. <laughs> I want to be that guy's best friend. <laughs> and so this is like part of what's like being described here is like, you got to have to have some spine. You got to tell the truth. You got to be able to be willing to stick your neck out there a little bit. You have to have some courage for friendship. Uh, let's skip to verse 41. And the, and the Philistine moved forward and came near, Dave, near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that the, there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword, and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. Um, this one, it's something that's important. In this, like, you know, you need to have a spine, and you need to have some courage. It's really interesting how David takes this, this battle on. He's like, he is totally standing behind God. He's like, God's going to win this fight. He's going to deliver you into my hands. You're toast, buddy, because God's, you know, going to give me the victory. He's not saying, I'm stronger than you. I'm faster. I got a sling, bud. You haven't seen it. It's, he doesn't say any of that. He is totally standing behind his identity as like a child of God. And that, that, that applies to you. I don't care if you, you know, can swing a sling or not. Um, it doesn't matter if you're strong or you're quick or if you've killed a lion or a bear. Like David, we stand behind this identity that the Lord gives us. And, and maybe you are terrified of trying to make friends. That's not who you're meant to be. That's not where you're supposed to stay. And again, that's a whole other teaching on identity and worth and, um, and value and, and even glory. And I would recommend you listen to C.S. Uh, Lewis wrote a sermon called The Weight of Glory. You want to like dig into that? It's 30 minutes. You can find it on a podcast. Listen to that. Um, David does all this, and Jonathan sees him, and he's like, I want to be that guy's best friend. And I think one of the, like, the best pictures of like, the way I could relate this to us today is you got to like, let people know what you're passionate about so they want to be your friend. And, and maybe you're not like, hey, I'm super passionate about Jesus, but maybe you could at least say, I want to be super passionate about Jesus. That is such an easy and fair thing to say. It's like, I want to be that. And who else? Anybody else want to be that? You know, it's like, and it, by you raising your hand, by you making that known, it gives a chance for somebody else in the room to be like, I'm getting coffee with that guy <laughs> or whatever. Like, I want to hang out with that guy. I want to be passionate about Jesus too. But in a sense, you've got to take that flag and stick it in the ground and say, I want to be passionate about Jesus. And that way you're at least letting other people know you exist, <laughs> that you're, you're there. And because there's somebody else in the room who wants that too. There is. It's going to take some courage. It's going to take some some willingness to suffer, right? Some passion. Um, mm, one second. Matthew six thirty three, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I, I think you can, um, you can really sabotage friendship if you make it the most important thing. 
It can't be the most important thing. Like C.S. Lewis said, you have to like want something else for friendship to come about. You have to be passionate about something else and that's how friendship comes. And, and you know, for our context, our context this morning and even my own personal life, my greatest friends, and I have been blessed with a lot of really good friends. They have all come because I've been passionate about Jesus Christ or at least wanted to be. And, and they too is like, I want to be passionate about Jesus too. And I have been blessed with friendship really rich, godly friendship. And uh, it's because he was first. My relationship with Christ was first and all these things that, you know, they came about. And, and because, like, <laughs> my relationship with Christ is such a deep thing, those relationships have been very deep. Because my relationship with Christ has been a very rewarding thing, a blessing in my life, those relationships have been a blessing. Have they been perfect? No. But because of what they are focused on, that's, like, totally translated into the relationships themselves. Okay, so that's sympathy, right? And, and again, I'm anchoring that to, to John by, it's something that God does. Like the friends that I've had in my life, if it wasn't for my relationship with Jesus, we would have never been friends. I probably would have never met them. And uh, I just, I, I kind of marvel at that. I'm like, man, like this guy travels in a different sphere than I do. He, he's, his job is not even close to anything I do. Uh, his interests are not close to my interests. Um, and yet we're really good friends because of Jesus, because we're both passionate about him. Okay, next point. Secrets. Friendship is about secrets. And I really like this because it's, it's like irrefutable in the text. And um, I like it. I don't know. I just like it. So, uh, John fifteen fifteen. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So Jesus communicates. He's like, all these secrets I have between me and the, my father, I'm telling you all my secrets. I'm sharing my heart with you. I'm sharing the plans. I'm sharing like what's going on. I'm telling you everything, guys. And he's talking to his disciples. And um, I mean, for the God of the universe to call these these fallen men, his friends, to communicate these secrets to them. I mean, it's a big deal. Um, and it's paralleled beautifully in David and Jonathan's life. First uh, Samuel 19, one through three. I, uh, real quick, after David kills Goliath, all the women of Israel come up with a really great song. And it goes like this, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his tens of thousands, which leads Saul to be very jealous of him. And uh, David basically becomes like, you know, a marked man after that and, and a threat to Saul's throne. And so very quickly, Saul gets jealous and starts like trying to kill David. That's kind of where we pick up 1 Samuel. David's like telling Jonathan, I think your dad's trying to kill me. Jonathan's like, no, let me talk to him. 1 Samuel 19, 1 through 3. And Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, and they, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on guard, your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak to my father about you. And if I learn anything, I will tell you. How cool is it that this like lines up perfectly what Jesus is saying in the New Testament? Now, the fathers are very different <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, but there's some really cool pictures here. One, we have 
the king, the father, the Lord. And he must punish the, uh, you know, usurper slash like sin. (laughs) And we have Jonathan and we have Jesus standing in the middle. It's a real cool picture. And everything that Jesus, that the father tells Jesus, he tells the disciples. And everything that Saul tells Jonathan, he tells David. And so there's this aspect of telling secrets. I got uh, another verse to kind of back up this point on secrets. And it's in Psalms 25, verse 14. I've got three different translations up here. The NIV, the ESV, and the King James Version. If, if you, it, it is a mistake to be a, like a hobby horse kind of Christian and only like, I, I've met some of these that, that's like, it's only this translation, only this one. And if you talk to anybody who like is fluent in Greek and Hebrew, like you should read at least three to get the flavor you need. And this is a really good example. The NIV says, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. ESV, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known his covenant to them. The King James Version says the secrets, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant. So we have confides, friendship, and secrets. The Hebrew word for friendship is the same as the Hebrew word for secret. Isn't that cool? I think that's super cool. And, uh, and so you should read multiple translations uh, when you're studying at least three and you get more flavor out of the text. And so this, this idea of friendship and secrets are totally linked. We see like Jesus talking about like sharing what the father tells him. We see Jonathan telling uh, David all his secrets too. And, and in our lives, I, I think some of you probably had this experience where um, you have a, a friend, somebody who's close to you, and they make a big life decision without talking to you and you feel hurt. You're like, what? I, you didn't let me know. Like, well, you're going to go off and you didn't tell me this secret. Or vice versa, you've made a, a big life decision and you didn't tell your friend. And they were like, hey, like, what in the world? Like, I thought we were friends. Like, you didn't tell me that this was going on. Secrets are totally linked to friendship. And let's, like, specify, clarify that, like, your secrets, <laughs> not other people's secrets. It's very clear that the Lord is sharing his secrets with, with us, not other people's secrets. Guess what Peter did? You know, um, I mean, I've done this, you know, I've like counseled with a friend and I've, I've gotten his advice and like kind of like, yeah, I think this is the direction the Lord is moving. And then I'll get some other counsel and kind of change. I'm like, instead of going from a left-handed turn, we're making a right-handed turn. And I didn't tell friend number one. And he was like, man, like I, we prayed, I, we talked, we counseled, that hurt. And I'm like, oh, I blew it. I'm sorry. That was wrong. I should have, I should have given you a heads up and let you, you know, fill you in. You take the time to invest in me and then go the other direction. You got to let friends in. You must communicate your heart. Um, another aspect, um, and just a really practical thing with, with making friends is telling secrets is, it's totally integrated into making friends, but the rate at which you tell secrets is very important. The rate at which you tell secrets is very important to friendship. If you tell too many secrets too fast, you're going to freak somebody out. And that's me. I'm that person. I'm like, here it all is. And they're like, too much. Wow. I'm not seeing you for a while. You know, church, (laughs) doing that. Um, Or the opposite is my wife. And she is just very quiet. And, and, and uh, the, the risk for her is not sharing, not sharing secrets fast enough. And then people are like, well, well, you know, you're really standoffish and you know, you don't, you don't open up and I'm telling you these really intimate things about my life, but you don't tell me anything. And so there's a danger on either side. Um, and so you need to find the, the appropriate rate of sharing your secrets with people 
to, to do well at friendship. And then, you know, one of, one of the guys from the first service pointed out, you know, secrets also communicate trust. And you don't give all your trust to somebody at one point, at one moment. You, you kind of, you know, back and forth. You share a secret, and you wait for them to share one back. And then you share another. You, you know, and so on and so forth. Uh, one, one for one's a, a good way to start out. <laughs> don't, you know, you got to be careful. Oh, man, I just think it's hysterical how it's like, man, that's, that makes so much sense. Why I've scared some people. Um, <laughs> anyways. Um, you know, with, with that, it's like secrets are also like you're speaking truth to people too, like deep heart truths. You know, you're willing to say the hard thing to them. That's a part of friendship, that candor. Third point, covenant. Covenant is a part of friendship. I think it's like cool how there's like some truths that like are like little kids understand really like innately. And like when I think of covenant and little kids, I think of blood brothers. Like I totally, like I had that experience as a kid where it's like in my mind, in my, in my, like when I remember this, it was a really big gnarly cut on my hand that I like, you know, me and my friend, we cut our hands and we, we became blood brothers or whatever, but I'm pretty sure it was just a scratch because there's no scar. <laughs> and, um, and that I'm, I'm really clear when I communicate and tell that story to the youth group that that's a really bad idea and dangerous and that, you know, there's transferable diseases by blood. So I, I, I do kind of lay that groundwork. But I do love that picture of, like, little kids understand, like, hey, friendship's forever, man. We're bonded by blood. <laughs> this idea of covenant. Uh, so John 15, 12 through 13. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And this is exactly what Jonathan does. As soon as David goes out on the battlefield and he sees, man, this guy is passionate about the Lord. He is passionate about, about the nation of Israel. He is willing to suffer for these things. I want to be his best friend. And immediately after David kills Goliath, Jonathan makes a covenant with him. 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 4. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul... The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him, go, let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor bearer and even his own sword and his bow and his belt. In this moment, specifically the belt, in, in their culture, and if you watch like, you know, even movies um, with, with people from the, you know, ancient Middle East, they have this belt and it's got like these braids and tassels on it. And it was like a, a way to mark their position and their authority. And when he gives this to David, he's saying, you're the next prince. Like you're the next king. It's you, man. He's laying down his life for his friend. Um, this is this is the most Christ-like aspect of friendship. And it's like, oh man, I fell in so short of this in my life. To actually like prefer someone else is better than myself. I want to be on the throne. I want to be the important person. You know, I want to, uh, the country song, uh, I want it to be all about me, all about I. I can't remember the rest of it, but um, that's us. And, and to, this is the part of like friendship that I'm especially like, oh Lord, I, I don't stand a chance to do this without you. But Jonathan is the most incredible picture of Jesus um, in this, that he lays his life down for his friend. And, uh, and, and truly, 
lets him be better than him, lets him take the throne. And, and one other thing that's really cool is, is at this moment, David is entering into the most dangerous season of his entire life. He, he starts to raise up, and the, the song that the girls sing, David is, uh, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands, is sung right after this scene, right, you know, in uh, 1 Samuel 18. And as soon as that happens, Saul's like, what? <laughs> and that begins the most dangerous season of, of David's life. And it ends when Saul dies. But what's really beautiful is that there's a covenant made here in 1 Samuel 18. There's a covenant made right in the middle when David has to leave Jonathan. And there's a covenant made right at the end of, of Jonathan's life. Jonathan dies with his father on the field of battle. And let's just look at those three scenes. And so David's, the most dangerous season of David's life is bracketed by friendship. That's awesome and beautiful and God's plan for David's life. David would not have survived. He would have not made it if friendship was not bracketing his life in this most dangerous season. Uh, this is the second time. This is kind of in the middle. This is right as J David is leaving um, Saul. He's going to hightail it to the, the wilderness and he's on the run from here on out. 1 Samuel 20, 40 through 42. And Jonathan gave his weapons to his boy and said to him, go and carry them to the city. And as soon as the boy had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap and he fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and they wept with one another and David weeping the most. Then Jonathan said to David, go in peace because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord saying, the Lord shall be between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And he arose and departed and Jonathan went into the city. That's in the middle. And then David gets really discouraged. And this is kind of right before Jonathan dies. And, and David, um, Jonathan meets David in the wilderness. And David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horish, and Jonathan went home. Real quick side note. Um, it is often that this relationship is... Um, mischaractered and skewed to be homosexual in our current culture. And there's a big reason for that. It's because we think as Americans, sex is the greatest thing in the world. It's not. And the ancients didn't think so. You can read Plato, you can read Socrates, and they thought that friendship was higher than sex. They valued it more. They thought it was something that was like, it was of the gods. Um, whereas in America, we're like, no, no, sex is the greatest thing in the world. And, and we worship it in every environment. It's, it's incredible how important we think it is. And the, the ancients were like, it's not that important. Like, it's good, but it's not, mm -mm, friendship's more important. And they, they were right. They were more accurate. Because in a marriage, like, the greatest marriages are those that have friendship in them. You know, in, in families, in siblings, like, the greatest brother is the brother who's your friend. You know, that, those relationships are, uh, uh, with a father and a mother, uh, with their son or their daughter, those relationships are beautiful and wonderful as, as friendship starts to come into them, as, as children rise up and there's like that friendship within the relationship. And so the ancients thought so much high, they thought highly of this and, and we just grossly overlay our modern idea and concept of like relationships over these men and we have no clue how they were raised, what it was like to grow up the way they did. We don't think the way they thought. I hate most TV shows because like of like fantasy and ancient world because it's like, we overlay these characters with these disgusting, 
disgusting ideas we have nowadays. And they, there was a nobility and a, a, just a different way of thinking. And uh, that's, we, I, I would need to stop, but that is not what's going on here. And I'm not the only one who says that. You can read a lot of other ancient writings and it, it confirms it. Um, okay, and the, the, the point I'm wanting to make, covenant. Each time Jonathan makes this covenant with David, Jonathan remains with his father. He goes back, he went home. And in the previous one, he went back and went into the city. He stays with his father Saul. And what's cool about Jonathan, what's beautiful about Jonathan, is he is covenantal in his, all his relationships. He doesn't, it would have been so easy to justify, all right, David, my dad's just like, he's like a rabid dog. We just got to put him down, man. Like, it's just... We got, we got, we'll stage a coup, but I'll be in support of it. So it's like, it'll be seamless. So easy. I would have definitely, like if I was Jonathan, it was like, all right, David, we got this. Don't worry. Dad's just, he's taking it too far and it's time for him to go. Um, I love him, but it's just, you know, it's like a sick dog. Uh, Jonathan never does that. Jonathan stays in this uncomfortable place his entire life. He stays between Jonathan, sorry, Jonathan stays between David and between the, his father his entire life. Well, sorry, his, his entire friendship with David. He remains in this uncomfortable position and he dies at his father's side in the field of battle. That is the coolest picture of Christ. That like, God's wrath is poured out on sin, which should be us. Like we should, we deserve that. David didn't necessarily deserve Saul's wrath, but we certainly deserve God's wrath. David didn't deserve Saul's wrath. We definitely deserve God's wrath. I'm just making sure I said that right. Um, and, and Jonathan standing between his friend and his father, Jesus, on the cross, hyper standing between God the Father and us. And just how, how um, Jonathan abdicates his position and gives us, just how David, Jonathan gives David the throne, Christ abdicates his position and he gives us his throne. He's the propitiation for our sins. The great switcheroo is the best way to define that word, propitiation, the great switcheroo. That we have switched places with Christ, that we are now co-heirs with Christ, that we get to be uh, a part of God's noble and royal family. This aspect of friendship is just like, this is only something that like the Holy Spirit, Christ in us can work. Romans 8 34 says, who is condemned? Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God who intercedes? Who is interceding for us? Who is interceding for us? Not not that he did in the past. Right now, Christ intercedes for you and me. He is still in that place of between us and him. Like Jonathan, remaining for years in that position, Christ stays in that position to this day. I think as Christians, there's, a, there's a, a time and a place where we just, we're supposed to stand for a friend and it may be uncomfortable and it may take time for that person to work through stuff, but you just stand and you just wait and you pray and you, you ask the Lord for help and wisdom and when to, when to speak into their life, when not to. I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan and um, I read them every fall because the aspens change colors and it reminds me of it, which is like late summer really around here. But um, 
there's, uh, I notice other like things in Lord of the Rings all the time. And that book is truly about friends. Uh, and one of the cool pictures is like when, when Gandalf kind of gets suspicious about Bilbo's ring, there's like a 60 year gap in between him like being suspicious about this problem in his friend's life and then him actually confronting his friend about it and making him give it up. 60 years. Like when I get like suspicious about an issue in my friend's life, I'm like, we got to deal with this, man. 60 years of patience, 60 years of like being aware that, okay, my friend's got a problem. You know, this evil ring that's going to destroy the world. <laughs> and, and I'm just going to kind of like, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to do some research about it for 60 years. And then eventually I'm going to confront him. And I love that. That's a really a beautiful picture of Christ with us. That like he's patient. And he waits for the right time, for the right window to, to address some of these things. And as friends, there's times when we, we just have to stand. We have to hyper stand like Christ and wait on something. And, and intercede before the Lord. It's not just like you're, you're forgetting about it. You're continually conscious about it. You're continually offering this thing up to the Lord and like, Lord, what do I do? Like, please help, deliver, save, help. And, and to constantly be in that place, that's, that's like Christ. There's fellowship with him in that place. So again, this, this morning we've talked about, you know, the same passion. You've got to have some courage to, to do that. You've got to have um, your identity in Christ anchored to have that passion. Um, we talked about secrets, sharing your secrets at the right rate, trust, sharing trust, um, opening up, sharing your heart. And then this last idea of covenant and hyperstanding and, and, uh, abdicating your position, laying down your life for your friend. That's what Jesus talks. That's how he talks about this, right? This is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That's what we're called to do as Christians. And I claim, I, I plead uh, Galatians 2.20, that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the one who gave himself up for me and died for me. And, and that's like, it's like, Lord, that's the only way I can do this stuff, Lord. So Lord, I ask that you'd help. Lord, I'm sure, I, and I hope, Lord, that um, we, we, we look at your text, we look at what the word says about friendship, Lord, and I pray that some of us go and apologize to a friend today, Lord, or we make it right, or we, we choose to, to hang in there, but Lord, that your word would impact our lives today, Lord, and we would react to it, and um, Lord, help us to be good friends. Help us to have a, a, a secure enough identity in you, Lord, that we would be able to kind of, in a sense, plant our flag in the ground and say, I want to be passionate about Jesus, who else, who's with me. Lord, I pray that um, you'd help us to have the courage to open up our hearts, to share secrets, Lord, to share what we're struggling with, to confess sin, Lord, um, to share hopes and dreams, Lord, that you'd help us to do that. And I pray that you'd help us to be covenantal in our relationships, Lord, that we, are, we don't give up on people. And we're in, in that we're like you, Lord Jesus, that we, we hold on and we wait, we hyperstand, remain under pressure. Um, and we lay our lives down for our friends, Lord, that we can truly consider others better than ourselves. That's what the word tells us to do. And oh Lord, that's something that's only like by your Holy Spirit and by your power. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Will you guys stand with us as we sing this last song? This last song is kind of an anthem and a prayer, and it always takes me back to that day when I met Jesus, when I got saved, and I pray that they would do that for you this morning. <laughs>